advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, everyone. This is Amrys Wang from The Raw Entrepreneur. Today, I have a very beautiful couple with me. Um, their names are Kat and BC Henshin from Platinum Paws. Um, I have to admit, I started following the wife first before I found a husband. <laughs> and uh, Kat is also known as the ninja groomer. That's what attracted me to her on, on social media. And she is basically a lady who gives her heart and soul for, pet, for pets and shelter dogs, in this, especially in grooming them and bringing out the inner beauty outside. But what I found amazing was that she was swinging from bar to bar. That's how I saw her first. And I was like, oh my gosh, who's this amazing lady? And then I know that, oh, wait a minute, she's a groomer as well. Holy cow, how amazing is that? <laughs> and then I found out, oh, okay, platinum paws. And oh, wait a minute, there's her husband, BC Henshin. And wait a minute, he's this amazing fellow who talks about fresh feeding advocate as well for the fresh feeding community and I was going oh wow this is a super couple that I didn't even know about and recently <laughs> I saw a photo of the two of them standing side by side and then I got floored because I'm like a hobbit and you know and the first thing that came to my mind was that he's a big friendly giant so <laughs> you know handsome beautiful couple that's all I can say on social media and um what else is there to say about BC Henshin? Well, I didn't notice, but now I know. Uh, he's actually a, an advocate for the Association for Truth in Pet Food. And he was a past director of the World Pet Association. And basically, he stands up for the rights of the fresh feeding community. And that is something that I think is super awesome because I'm a raw feeder. And I think people like that, uh, hard to find and for someone to stand up for the community um, all kinds is you know, I'm in awe so this is a beautiful couple and I just want to say thank you Kat and BC for saying yes to coming on to my new podcast because I am so nervous right now you have no idea <laughs> but thank you so much 
Oh, you are so welcome. We're so glad to be here. No need to be nervous at all. You know, we're just a few people having a chat. That's it. That's what all the superheroes always say. I'm just a human being, and it's you know, it's really bullshit. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> oh no, I see you're a muscle woman. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I will if if there was a fight. I think I would I would want you in my corner. I don't know about BC, you know. No. <laughs> Well, you know, I also do kickboxing too. So I think, I think you would probably make a wise choice in having me in your corner. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Kat, could you share with everyone your origin story? Because um, I just think it's an amazing story of how, you know, how you came about. But could you share with everyone who is the Ninja Groomer? Um, well, that is a very good question and very complicated question to answer. Um, I'm just a girl that, you know, loves to groom dogs and I also love to ninja. Um, talking about the, the shelter dogs, um, and that is my passion to groom shelter dogs. Uh, they, they need me just like I need them. And I feel like I can give them a better chance of being adopted. And every time I have a shelter dog on the table and, and I can make that connection with them and help them realize that there is compassion that can come from human beings and um, work with them and take the time to be gentle with them and, you know, and take care of their outside needs um, that haven't been taken care of and have been neglected for so long. And that in itself makes them feel better. Um, I believe emotionally and physically um, when I've taken all that matted coat off of them and they're covered in debris and poop and just, you know, everything coming off of them and their insides are already beautiful and I can see that through their eyes and they let me in and in that moment that they let me in, it's just amazing and that bond that you can get through that. Um, it's incredible and it changes you, it changes me. Um, it makes me more grateful and more humble. Um, and I think everybody needs a little bit of that in their hearts, for sure. Um, as far as the ninja, um, I was born to do that, you know? Um, I, uh, when I was four years old, I was sitting on the rocking chair and way too close to the TV and I was turning the dial. Back in the day, you had to turn a dial. Um, and all of a sudden, I stopped on this girl that was swinging around these bars, and it was just, I was awestruck, and it was like I was thrown to the back of the chair, and, you know, just in this moment, and I can remember it like it was yesterday, and just, I, I knew in that moment at four years old that I was meant to do that, and it was Nadia Komunichi on bars and gymnastics. Um, so that fire was put in my heart a long time ago. Um, and then, you know, life happens and you get older and things happen that change you and uh, you go through struggles in life. Um, a lot of disappointments happen. Um, I was, um, I was an elite gymnast and I traveled, you know, I competed overseas. I had hopes and dreams of being an Olympian, but I blew my knee out when I was 13. Um, and I had to have ACL reconstruction and, uh, after that happened, you know, I, I kept, I, I continued to train, even though I was, had my leg in a, in a brace for six weeks, I still went to the gym every night and, and you know, did what I could with uh, endurance training and muscle training. 
And um, I came back, I made a comeback from that. And, but unfortunately it happened again and it happened again and it happened again. And by the time I was 18, you know, the, the Olympic dreams had gone away because of the injuries. Um, but I, you know, I had still hoped to get a college scholarship. And when the scouts came around it, you know, it wasn't in the cards for me because I was considered a bad core business investment because of all my injuries. So being an 18 year old where you devoted your entire life to gymnastics and that is who you are and that is your image that, you know, that's your persona that you've lived, ate, drank, slept gymnastics your whole life and you just get told you're not worth it. That was a devastating blow to me. And I went down a road that was not pretty. Um, I, you know, got mixed up with some some bad things and some wrong people and stayed on that road for a while. Um, but luckily I was able to survive that and uh, make it back from that. Um, and um, I didn't want anything to do with gymnastics for a very long time. And I ended up gaining a bunch of weight and I was heavy and um, I struggled with depression a lot. And um, just, I just was, it wasn't a great time. I mean, I was surviving, obviously, but it just wasn't a great way to live. Um, and something, you know, pretty devastating happened. Um, you know, BC was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and things started to change in that world where he started being able to, you know, lose the ability to do things. And I was having a hard time, you know, uh, adjusting to that, it was, you know, it's a very painful process watching somebody you love go through that. It's really hard. Um, so then you, you know, I went back to struggling for a while with some old habits and um, finally I hit a bottom, a really bad bottom and I wound up in a, um, in an ice, in an intensive care unit overnight, um, but I survived and came back from that. Um, and you know, that's, that's a pretty horrible place to be when you don't want to live anymore. And I think that's about the lowest bottom somebody can, can hit. Um, so if I, I don't know exactly what happened I know God got involved somehow and got me, um, started back up again and, uh, nine rounds is where my, my fitness journey started. That's kickboxing. And I started gaining strength and endurance there and BC noticed that and uh, found a ninja gym for me to go to. And, you know, I had seen ninja on TV and I knew known about it for a while. When, you know, the first time I saw it, I knew that I was meant to do that, just like the whole gymnastics thing. Uh, but I never believed in myself enough to do that. Um, but, you know, one step at a time, one foot in the in front of the other, you know, doing the next right thing and having a husband that supports you and loves you no matter what. Um, I was able to start that, that journey with Ninja. And uh, there was, you know, I had two knee surgeries again. I you know, hurt my knee again last year. Um, but I came back from those two knee surgeries as well and still applied for the show. Um, you got to want it. And you got to dig deep sometimes. And uh, it's, you got to get through that pain. And on the other side of that pain, it's just an amazing, beautiful life. And that's my origin. <laughs> well, my heart is 
it's so full just listening to you. Um, I've got so much respect for you and thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, I think you truly, I was right when I saw you the first time on social media. She's a special <laughs> lady. I had no idea, I'll be honest, because I only joined um, social media, Facebook, like, I, I don't know, maybe two years plus ago. I'm, I'm actually an introvert and I'm very anti-social by nature. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason why I joined was because I wanted to learn more about, um, you know, fresh food community, uh, people like Dr. Karen Becker, Rodney Habib, you know, and that's how I, I, I got to know, you know, the extended family in this co- amazing community. And that's how I found you, you know. Um, so listening to your story, I don't know, I'm holding my heart here because just listening to you is, uh, yeah, you know, wow. <laughs> my heart is beating very hard for you. Uh, I think you're a beautiful person. True, you truly are a beautiful person. Um May I know, how long have you two known each other? Oh, wow. Um, Pretty much all our lives. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we went to the same church. Okay. And, and her brother was my best friend growing up. So that's, I've known her my okay. entire life. Wow. When he was 18, he secretly knew that he was going to marry me someday and when I was 15 he was 18 and I was 15 and I knew who he was but I didn't want anything to do with him (laughs) 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 fast forward now we've been married it'll be 23 years on August 30th oh well congratulations that's amazing oh wow you guys are really like like childhood like romantic sweethearts from from the novels (laughs) which very rare today actually i don't know i don't really know many people around me who 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 knew each other from childhood and got married and stuck stuck together um you know so wow okay i hit the jackpot with the two of you today (laughs) (laughs) you guys are so inspiring i can't believe it (laughs) thank you Um, um so bc um, same questions to you. Um, sure. Who is BC Henshin, please? Well, that's a, a complicated question as well. But uh, as my you wife alluded to, <laughs> I I was put on this earth to be married to Kathy Henshin. Oh, please. That's that's. <laughs> That's why I'm here. That's why I was here from the get go. And, you know, the first time, not the first time, but as I hung out with her brother and I kind of saw this, this gymnastic goddess <laughs> come in and out of the house. And, um, yeah, you know, she hung out with the jocks and the quarterbacks and all that. And I, I was far from that. Um, I told her brother at one point, I'm going to marry her sister. And, you know, it took 10, 15 years before she came around to it, but uh, we ended up married. And I knew we both were animal lovers, obviously. Um, we had a couple of dogs of our own. And we, when we got married, we wanted to try and become an entrepreneur. 
we wanted to own our own business. And at the time she was working corporate. She was actually at a call center um, doing work that she hated. I mean, hated it. And um, that also adds problems when you do a job that you absolutely hate, but you're getting paid really good money. So she was doing that job and I was doing another job and we knew we loved animals and we knew we wanted to get into business. And we actually were going to do a kennel. Um, we were going to a boarding facility and a grooming opportunity came up. We knew we would have to have a groomer if we were going to do a kennel. So Kathy decided to go to evening school to night school for grooming. She went to a grooming college here in uh, Carmel, Indiana, and she did that in the evenings. And then we were trying to put the business together. And we, we figured as time went on that the kennel maybe wasn't what we wanted to do, but grooming was. So as she got better and better grooming animals, we started to find a place and, and started to build a business. And I really still was working corporate. And in fact, at the time, I, right before I got hired by Kathy, because <laughs> she, she started the business by herself. I mean, she was the only one in here. She groomed by herself. She answered the phone. She answered the door. And as she got busier and busier, she hired an additional groomer. And that's kind of how that snowballed. We now have three groomers besides Kathy, plus we have a bathing team, plus we have our retail. Um, it's me and one other lady who works in the retail. So it's really snowballed over the last 16 years. Um, but I was working for one of the big box pet stores and I worked a corporate gig and I was a dog trainer at this store in the evening. Um, and she worked for a company and then was grooming in the evening. So we both kind of did it and the stars aligned where we could get this uh, shop going. And that's where it started with us. And then, like I said, when she brought me on board, I knew I wanted to sell foods. I didn't know much about it, but I actually had a great line of food that I believed in. I worked for this big box store but actually bought my food elsewhere because they didn't carry the brand that I liked. So we got involved in that. And then, you know, much like you, I started seeing Karen, Dr. Karen Becker, who's now a good friend of mine. Rodney is one of my best friends now in the industry. You know, I started seeing, it was actually a magazine called Whole Dog Journal. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Whole yeah. Dog Journal we got when we started and I read every article and she was big. Um, Nancy Kearns is the editor of that. She was big on, you know, teaching people how to read a label, what's in pet food, what, where everything comes from. So she was my first that really got me down the path. And that's how I met Rodney. That's how I met Karen. And then, um, the Dogs Naturally magazine came along, which Rodney writes for. So then that was more 
So then I lucked out and was able to meet Susan Thixton, who owns truthaboutpetfood.com, who is the original consumer advocate for what's in our foods and trying to make sure that we don't have all these horrible things that are going into these kibble foods. So luckily through meeting Susan and hanging out with her, she asked me to step in and be a consumer advocate for the um, American Association of Feed Control Officials, AFCO, which is the regulatory, even though it's not a government body, it's kind of who oversees that. So I got involved with her and was able to be a consumer advocate on the AFCO board. And that's my origin story. And, you know, we, we are happy raw feeders. We believe in it. We help consumers every day transition. If it was up to me, I would not sell any kibble in my store. I, I only sell a couple lines and I'm very particular on what I sell, but we have six doors of freezers. We have a teeny tiny store, but I have six doors of freezers. So, wow. you know, that's where our passion is on that. So I think that's our origin story. Oh, wow. And this business that you've, you started with, with, with the grooming was 16 years ago? Yes. yes. Wow. Yeah, and it was, it was just me. We had half the amount of room that we have now. And my days were very busy because I would be grooming dogs and I was new, so I was extremely slow. <laughs> and uh, I had to answer the phone, which, you know, rang a lot um, because we're, you know, on a great, in a great area, on a great road, and then um, a new business pops up, especially pet grooming in this area. Um, you know, the phone was ringing a lot and the door was opening a lot. So, you know, being able to groom a dog in my, you know, in that, you know, season of life where I was just new at it and, you know, wasn't sure of myself and, uh, was extremely slow at it. You know, I really relied on my customer service skills that I had gained you know, in previous jobs. Um, to get me through those times, to be able to answer the phone and, you know, with a willingness to help and a sense of urgency and to answer the door and with a smile and a greeting. And, you know, I had learned all those things in my previous jobs and that is what saved me in the beginning because my grooming <laughs> wasn't that great yet. And it was very slow. I was probably grooming three or four dogs a day at the time, which, you know, which is okay because I had to, you know, use the other time for phone calls and writing thank you cards and um, answering the door and doing cat laundry, you know, cleaning up messes and doing laundry and, you know, everything fell on me. And it was, uh, it was pretty stressful at times, but uh, we got through it. There was a couple of times I had to call him in a panic um, off of his, his other job and have him come and help me. I remember specifically, there was one time a, a guy came running into the store and asked, you know, screaming for my help. And um, I, it was like almost, closing time and I ran out to you know see what was the matter and it was this huge Newfoundland in his the back of his uh, vehicle and had mud and sticks and leaves all in his coat his name was caviar and uh, he said can you help me can you help me this you know my dog got out and he's you know obviously a mess he's been in a pond 
And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, you know, I'm hungry at that time. I was new and I wanted the business and I, you know, I'm, I'm always, I would probably still do that today, honestly. I she always want to help people. <laughs> so I call him, it's five o'clock at night and we're closing at 5.30. So obviously I'm going to be here until 10 o'clock at night now because I only had one little tiny dryer at the time. So I'm in the tub and I get into the tub with the dog because it's, you know, a huge 150 pound Newfie. And I'm trying to get all the sticks out and the mud. And by the time BC gets there, I'm pretty much in my underwear because I have taken all my clothes off <laughs> trying to <laughs> accommodate this dog oh, in the bathtub. It was, it was a nightmare, but you know, it's something that we laugh about today because you know, he sat there with me and we took turns drying, um, which took forever. And, uh, it was just kind of a nice little date night, I guess you could say, at Platinum Paws. <laughs> Aww. Oh, many, many of those to come. Yeah. <laughs> oh, BC is such a sweetheart. <laughs> yes, he really is. I'm very lucky. <laughs> oh, my goodness. A lot of people think um, grooming is easy peasy. I mean, they usually, you know, people see the, the, the end product normally. They don't, they don't realize um the mini hell that customers usually bring in to to groomers and what groomers have to go through um could you could you share with with our listeners like you know um what what what's the you know usual experience that goes through from you know from a customer that brings in a dog but say they don't tell you what's wrong with the dog or they don't, you know, prepare you for little surprises when you try to um, service the dog, shall we say? <laughs> That's all an experience. Um, you know, over the years I have learned different ways to hold a dog. I've learned, you know, the body language of, of a dog, how to read a dog, when I can push a dog a little bit or when I have to back off. Um, especially grooming rescue dogs, you have to learn that kind of behavior and you have to learn how to be patient and compassionate um, no matter what. And, you know, that's, again, that's just something you learn through experience. It's not something that I can tell you and you magically know. It's just, it's something that you have to go through. Um, and my clients, my regular clients, I book them for the whole year. So if you want to come to my shop, you're going to be put on a schedule. You're going to be put on every week, every two weeks, every four weeks, every six, eight, 12, you know, I'll let the customer obviously decide what they want. Um, and then I work with them to uh, figure out a plan. What is the best hairstyle for their dog? So if a customer doesn't want to come except for every eight weeks, then I'm going to tell them, okay, well then we need to do more of a maintenance cut. Um, or you need to do such and such and such at home in between the grooming. Um, and it only takes one time for usually for one of my customer, a new customer to figure out that I'm serious and I'm not, you know, I'm not playing around and, you know, this, if they want this certain style, then this is what needs to happen. Um, and having a set schedule keeps the owners on, you know, on that regimen. And so their dogs come in in good shape most of the time. Um, and I don't have to have a lot of conversations about shave downs or um, skin uh, problems because of matting or things like that. I, uh, 
because I have everybody pretty much set up on a regular schedule and we've talked about here because, you know, it's my job to educate the client. They don't come to me knowing anything. Um, it's how I see it. And I think a lot of times groomers make the mistake that they think that they should know, but they don't. They just don't. And um, so I, I go at, at every client with a sense of being a teacher. Um, so I'm teaching them about their breed and about their dog. Sometimes I'm lucky and they've done the research, but most of the time I'm not, um, and they haven't done any research. So, you know, I start from square up. I tell them about their coat type, what kind of coat they have, what kind of maintenance it's going to need, um, what to expect as far as matting, what they need to do at home for brushing and combing, if anything. Um, just educating the client is more important to me than anything else, I think, when it comes to um, building that relationship with the pet and also with the owner, um, because that's going to take you the furthest. And that's part of the problem, and, and there's two points that I wanted to hit while she was talking, was number one, customer service is what's made Kathy who she is, and she's got a great name around here. People love and want to come to her. And in the beginning, when she was building a reputation, her skills weren't where they are now, but her customer service skills were. And a lot of times groomers get into this world because they don't necessarily like people in a whole. They're introverts. They, they, they want to create their artists, but, you know, dealing with the public is not really what they enjoy doing. So a lot of times they're, they don't communicate well with the customer. And then that sets off the customer either displeased about the service or the customer's not going to listen then to the education. If the groomer's coming off gruff or, you know, know it all or, um, withdrawn, the customer is going to react the same way and kind of withdraw and have not leave with the same experience that they leave Kathy with because Kathy's going to take the time and she's going to hold their hand through it. Another point why she was dying, we battle a lot with misinformation from breeders. So we're in a um, affluent community here and a lot of people purchase dogs specifically through a breeder, like Golden Doodles, Labradoodles, um, we're seeing OES Doodles, we're seeing Bernadoodles, we're seeing all these uh, designer dogs come out of breeders, and I'm not against that. I mean, all our dogs came from some type of cross. I mean, a German Shepherd came from mixing different types of dogs. So I'm not one of those, but what happens is, if you're a breeder, you're kind of also a salesman. You want to sell your dog. You want to say, here's this Labradoodle, and you don't have to groom this Labradoodle except for every six months. Or you never need to comb this because this Labradoodle's got such a neat coat, it never needs brushed or combed. Well, then they get the dog home, they bring it in to somebody like Kathy, and they say, this dog's matted. It's not been taken care of properly. You haven't ever brushed the dog. And they're like, well, the breeder said we didn't have to. And the 
owners typically default to the breeder. They think the breeder is the expert. The breeder, you know, the breeder and the vet, they are the know-it-alls of everything. But then Kathy takes the time. She'll bring him back into the grooming salon, put the dog on the table, use a dryer to kind of blow the hair away so they can see where it's matting close to the skin. She'll show how comb works and how brush works and why you would use a comb over a brush. And that has led to our success as well as just having that customer service. And we both do. I mean, we, we both want to please people. Yeah. And I, I'm a true believer in seeing is believing. So, you know, if I can prove to a customer what I'm talking about, that's going to make my job a lot easier. And if I invite them back into the grooming area, that's including them in the process. And that's making them a part of the solution, a part of the process. Um, so like BC said, I like showing exactly what I'm talking about when I'm educating the customer. Because if you're just talking about it and they've never seen it before, they have no idea how to envision what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So bringing them back to the grooming area, putting their dog on the table and uh, showing them is key for me. Um, and then I will, you know, a lot of the owners that like their dogs in longer coats, but don't necessarily want to come every two weeks or whatever, I will physically bring them back, put their dog on the table, brush and comb their dog, and then make them do the same thing um, so that they know what it feels like and they know what the expectations are. And then they can decide whether or not, oh, yeah, I don't really want to do this. Or, yeah, okay, I can, I can handle this. Or I can try it. Um, so I just, I just feel like that's the best way to deal with people is, you know, it's more personal. And uh, I feel like you definitely get a better um, relationship with your customer that way, too. You're like a star. <laughs> ninja groomer service. That's all I can say because people I know in Singapore, the groomers that I've, I've come across are usually in the big box stores like you're referring to, you know, and um, you bring, it's almost like a drive-in kind of system, you know, you bring the dog, you dump the dog, the dog gets parked in a corner or in a cage or something, and they're in a queue system waiting for, you know, to be, to be groomed and you will never see the owners. Because basically the owners come, dump, and then they go and, you know, um, do their shopping or, or have their meal or something. And then they come back like a couple of hours later, you know, um, and then they pick it up, you know. And, you know, sometimes they like what they see or they don't like it. But not that kind of individual care and service that you give, especially the education part. Because I don't, I've not met. Well, my, I don't groom my, my, my dog's a mongrel and, you know, she's a short coat, so she's pretty easy to maintain. So I've never actually had to bring her to, to a groomer. So don't really have much grooming experience in Singapore, but based on what my friends go through, you know, um, how they describe their experience and what you're telling me and sharing with me, it's very different. I mean, you're like, you're like up here and they're like, really down there you know uh like wow and this is i think this boils down to the fact that it's your personal ethics you know your your belief system because you want to serve and 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 help people you know you have that that real genuine desire that and i'm just you know um 
I'm really impressed, you know, just listening to you and that patience. And it takes a lot of patience because humans are stupid by, by nature and, and, and they're very stubborn as well, I think. A lot of them normally, they think they know best, you know, or, you know, they don't want to acknowledge that, oh, um, the dog that I have requires a lot more attention than I'm willing to give. You know, and sometimes they're not willing to pay for it either. So mm-hmm. you get the cheapskates that try and, you know, do it on their own at home, but they don't really do it and they give up. So you insisting on a schedule, you know, uh, and working with them to, to, to make sure that their animal is, you know, in, in a good, good condition. I think that's amazing because honestly, I think this is the first time I'm yeah. You know, this is the first time I'm hearing of a a, a grooming schedule and plan. <laughs> well, it needs to be that way. I mean, it, for everybody's benefit. I mean, it things just go so much better. You know, the dog is healthier, the owner's happier, I'm happier, my employees are happier. <laughs> well, I also think with groomers, they have actually. Uh, in terms of contact with the dog, very intimate contact physically with the dog that they handle. And sometimes I think they know they can spot things better than even the dog owners who might not really like handle the dog, you know, the way groomers do, like touching the paw pads, you know, and and checking the underbody and everything and the ears and and all that. Um, So Yeah, that's absolutely true. You, so you That's guys, actually, I was just going to say that I have, and my employees have also, we found cancer in dogs several times that owners didn't know about and that we caught it in time to save the dog. Uh, we find ear infections, we find skin infections, we find urinary tract issues, you know, you name it, and we have been able to help with that. Um, so your groomer is your best advocate for your dog, in my opinion. So. Yeah. Your veterinarian probably sees your dog once a year. Um, the breeder saw the dog when it was born and never sees it again. And just like with our own health, when you look at your pet every day, you don't notice those subtle changes. So you have a groomer that's going to be not only seeing your dog every four weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks, but they are going over every inch of that dog because when you're bathing you're doing anal glands, you're trimming nails, you're trimming around the face so you're seeing inside the mouth. I mean, the groomer is doing a head to toe inspection of your animal to get the grooming job done. And a good groomer is gonna notice those little subtle changes or this growth is bigger than it was last time or this mole is different shape than it was last time. Where an owner just gets used to seeing that every day so you know and also on the same line that we're talking when we talk about entrepreneurs and getting into the business services are what's going to save us so my store my retail store would have been out of business if it wasn't for kathy's grooming because everybody is buying their food online everybody is doing delivery, especially with this COVID nightmare, they don't want to go into stores. Well, my store is not set up for, we, we obviously will do delivery, but we're not set up like the Amazons or the Chewies of the world. But 
you got to bring your dog here every four weeks to get groomed. We aren't coming to you on that. So for me to sell a bag of dog food to that person, that's fairly easy because you're going to come here anyway. I'll load it into your trunk. You don't have to worry about that. And okay, you're coming every eight weeks. Let me get you two bags. We'll, we'll take care of you until you come back. So not only can groomers save a pet because they discovered cancer or liver failure, I think they've found before, um, you know, the list goes on, but they can also save a business because if you have services, rather it be grooming, even if you're just doing bathing or a pet scale for people to come in and weigh their pet, you're, you're bringing those customers through your door, which is getting harder and harder to do. But, you know, with COVID, when we were forced to shut down grooming, the day that they announced that we could groom, all of our phones lit up before we even knew we could groom. People were texting and messaging her saying, you can groom again, I wanna get back in. And so the line was around the block the second we were legally allowed to groom again. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, you guys are amazing because I think um, to have just to have the the courage to start your own business and you guys started it while doing your your day job so to speak you know that it takes a lot of mental and physical stress you know and pressure and not a lot of people are waiting to 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 do that you know and to have that passion because 16 years in the business um that that is a statement in itself that you know you guys are here for the long haul you guys you guys are serious and passionate about it because I mean, in Singapore, we have we have a lot of like grooming shops or you know like uh, pet food stores, but most of them don't last very long. And what you said about combining services is actually very very smart and very clever, because not I think yeah most most shops here uh, for like pet food retail not. They just sell the pet food. They might sell accessories, but they don't. They don't provide a service like you were talking about, like grooming, even bathing. You know. Um, so, for those of you out there who are thinking about starting a business, listen to what BC just said because that's a very good tip. Everyone, it really is, and it helps if you're really, really passionate like them. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, well, you have a background up, and I know you're. Listeners can't see it, but it's the left brain and the right brain. <laughs> and that's that's what we are. That's one of, we always talk about yin and the yang, um, but groomers are right brain. I mean, they're artists, they're creators. They, that's what they do. And I'm very analytical and, um, you know, so I'm the left brain. And between the two of us, when we're, coming to a problem we're both coming in from different ways she's coming from that creative artist and i'm coming from that systematic you know the the wiser brain uh-huh. uh, so <laughs> that's how we can get that balance that a lot of businesses when you just are a sole entrepreneur in it on your own you're you're only seeing things the way that you see life so even if you are starting your own business by yourself, I encourage you 
to have kind of a board of consultants, if you will, and you get your family and your friends and you get a couple of your good customers and you run things past them because everybody will have a different view and it may open your eyes to a different way of doing things that your brain wouldn't let you do. And that's, so when I take something to Kathy, she's looking at it from a whole different light and brings me into that world or vice versa. I think um, couples who are married and they do business together, it's a very interesting combination because it can be a hit or miss normally. Yes. You know, it's, it's either like, you know, like champagne and fireworks or it could be really like a war going on with two people shooting each other in the end. How? We, we do that too. <laughs> <laughs> and 15 years together, I mean, how... Was it easy or was it, I mean, like in your 16 years of being together and doing this business together, how was it like? Because you were talking about the left brain and right brain and thank you for noticing that because that, that I've, I especially put this up uh, is actually to get, um, you know, get, get my, my guests thinking as well about, about you know, uh, questions and, and how to answer certain things because it's, it's very interesting because as you said, she's the right brain and you're the left brain. So how did you manage to, you know, when you were starting out in the beginning and, the, you know, working together, what, what was that like? Um, honestly, it's, it's always been okay because we've never fallen apart at the same time. <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> so one person, only one person is allowed to lose it. And the other person has to hold everything else together. Um, and that's how it's always been. You know, whenever we've had to take a huge leap of faith, we hold hands and we jump and we go for it 100% and we don't look back. And most of the time we've landed on our feet, you know, we, and, and we just keep on running. You know, don't ever rest on your laurels. Just keep building and keep uh, progressing. Um, the, the difficult times, you know, they're... I think COVID was probably the most difficult thing we've been through because there you can plan for a fire, you can plan for a tornado, you can plan for you know an injury at the shop with an animal or with an employee. But this, the COVID situation, there was you didn't I didn't see that coming. He didn't see that. Nobody saw that coming. So getting through that was scary. Um, but again, you have to you have to take what you have and run with it. So we took that time to redo our entire store, um, and um, work with what you have when you have it. And uh, so that's how we got through it. We just you know we did what we could to. Oh, and I did I did I would do tutorial videos for customers because they were having to do things at home. So I you know I did a tutorial on how to bathe your dog and how to brush your dog and how to do the toenails. And I got a lot of good feedback from that. So even during the scary times and the hard times, um, those are the times that you're getting stronger and that you're, you know, those are the times that you're building character and you can either, you know, put your head in the sand and die or you can face it and you can do whatever you can to get through it. Um, and that's typically what we do together. And I... I always like to talk about when you're in business with the love of your life or your partner, 
you know, when you're in business with just a business partner, the two of you might have a disagreement. You have some heated words while you're at the shop and you say, you know what, I'm going home. I'll rest on it. We'll come back tomorrow with fresh look and your business partner does the same thing. Well, when you're in business with your spouse, your loved one, you have a disagreement. And then at the end of the day, you get in the truck and you continue to yell at each other the entire ride home. Then you yell at each other while making dinner. And then if you're lucky, you continue to have a conversation over dinner. Otherwise you eat in silence. Then you go to bed in silence. Then you wake up the next morning and rehash the whole entire thing again. So there, there are tough times that come and you're right, the divorce rate of uh, business owners that are married is outrageous. Of course, the divorce rate is outrageous anyway, but it's, it's having that balance and it's really listening to the other person and making sure that you understand their perspective. They may be, they may be wrong. I mean, Kathy is wrong all the time and I just roll with it. I mean, that's, that's what I do, but then I come back around to show it. And if that rare occasion happens where I'm wrong, well, she doesn't necessarily roll with it. She parades around and yells, you were wrong. You were wrong. You were wrong. So again, it's a different brain, but we know how to deal with each other. Yeah. Over the years I've learned, you know, in conflict, instead of being direct and, and, you know, accusing and statements, ask questions, ask questions when you're in a disagreement. Why do you feel that way? What is it about this that you don't like? Can you explain to me what your thought process is about it? And that way, you know, maybe I have misunderstood something. And if I ask a specific question, he can explain it to me better. And I might come around to it or I might not, or I might be able to, you know, come up with an explanation as to why whatever he's thinking is, you know, not right. And that's, (laughs) that's also the same exact what we use with customers. I mean, when a customer has something wrong, you've got to ask questions. You can't just say, okay, I hear you. And here, I'll give you 50 bucks off your bill or whatever. You have to say, you know, why are you displeased? Exactly what, and you have to get to the root of the problem. And it may be your fault. And you may owe that customer because we make mistakes all the time, but it also may just be a miscommunication it may be a misunderstanding. You just, you have to spend the time. You know, uh, one of our mentors long, long time ago said, you know, the first thing you tell somebody who brings a complaint to you, the first thing you say to them is thank you. Mm-hmm. You say, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the crust of the problem. So again, the same philosophies and core that power our marriage is the exact same that powers our business. Yeah, when you ask questions, the other person feels like they're being heard. That's the most important thing. Um, and if that person feels like they're being heard, then they're going to be more willing to listen to me and to hear what I have to say. Um, and I just feel like conflict is, can be resolved so much easier if people will just ask questions. Yep. In your 16 years of business, um, 
have you ever thought about giving up? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I think maybe yesterday. I mean, no, it's Friday. Friday. <laughs> you know, you you get hard days, and again, that's where going back to her ninja, um, you got to have an escape. You can't just live in this business and. A lot of times when things are happening, turmoils going on, like COVID and all that, you're in it 20 hours a day if you're not asleep. You know, when we were at home, we were talking about, okay, we've been in business 16 years and we just had to lay off our entire staff. We've never had to do that before. So we're talking about it. When we're awake, we're trying to come up with solutions and options and we're talking about bank accounts and all that. So for her to be able to go to the gym and just take that frustration out or use that energy towards something that has nothing to do with the business is awesome. And I have my own reliefs. You know, I, I do a lot around the farm and uh, fabricating and I build obstacles for her. So you got to have an escape to get away from it um, completely. And what she also said is it's that yin and the yang so if she has a bad day and says we need to get rid of this business i'm done well i'm the one who's saying you know what this business provides for us it's given us a good life we get to work together side by side i can bring her out of that and then if i've had a bad day and i'm like yeah i'm done i'm not selling food anymore i'm shutting this place down then she is the other way so if we're ever both on the same page at the same time, we might consider getting rid of the business, but <laughs> it, hasn't it hasn't happened in 16 years. Wow. And I wow. think going back to that, having a release and an outlet, um, I think it's important for that outlet to allow you to feel strong and powerful and in control. Because a lot of times the things that are bringing you down on the outside, on, in your business or in your life, those are things you're completely powerless over. And feeling powerless is, you know, horrible. It's a horrible feeling and it's a horrible place to be, but everybody everybody has to go through that. Um, and you can't let that take you out. You cannot let that take you out. So finding, finding something where you can actually feel a level of control and a level of strength and power, that is so important to me anyway, um, because it, it helps balance out that sense of powerlessness in my life um and covid you know it's certainly brought that out for all of us and then everything else you know with his ms and other things that happen in our lives that we have no control over um we can find something that we do have control over and we can do that and we can pursue it with all of our heart and um in what i have ms yeah oh wasn't aware <laughs> how how long have you been diagnosed with ms and you know the official diagnosis was probably eight to ten years ago roughly uh, but signs we we had signs going back probably 20 years i mean even before we started the business i had some weird stuff that was like well that's weird my leg tingles well that's just life and you go on but then when you start getting more and more different things 
then then you get that official diagnosis, which um, a lot of people really, you know, remember that date as a somber occasion where I'm the other way. When I learned of my diagnosis, I was happy because it finally explained everything that was going on with me. Why do I have all these problems? Well, okay, now it all makes sense. So, you know, I joke, but the brunt of my MS is on her. It's not on me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a different place. I'm trying to focus and get through and do things where she's actually watching that degrade and she sees me struggle with things where all I see is I'm struggling with this now. Well, she's thinking back to he didn't used to have this problem. And so she she gets more depressed and has to deal with more of my MS than what I do. That's the left brain. Yep. That's the left brain in you. But When when did you start taking doing your ninja? I started training two years ago in ninja. But so, she's been a gymnast for life. I mean, those skills are so similar. Yeah. So I'm I'm just trying to imagine what the majority of the you know like the first fourteen years was like for you in, in terms of you know, um, the, the mental, the physical, you know, um, challenges that you, that you were facing, you know, um, both internally and then with, with BCs, you know, health, health issues as well. And to work, you know, and have two jobs and, and start a business, that's, that's a lot to take on. And, you know, I just have so much respect for you for, for pushing through it. And I think the love between the two of you is probably what really kept the both of you together. Because, I mean, like, my listeners can't see this. And, you know, just watching the both of you, um, you, you guys are so sweet. You know, I can, actually feel, I can actually feel the love between the two of you. And, you know, in, in Singapore... Um, we have, we have this little chili. It's called a chili paddy. It's like a very tiny red chili. I, I don't know if you eat spicy food, but mm. it's super, super hot. Maybe, I, I don't know. Uh, it's not like a jalapeno. It's very, very tiny and small. It's like, you know, like your, your little finger thing. But if you, even less than that, actually, like your little finger. And when you eat it just a little bit, this it burns. So we always call... Um, short tiny people but with a lot of passion for life um little chili putties so I, I i i you know i see you as a chili putty and i see him as you know like like a yogurt you know um well in in, in asia we we have like the indians they have a mango lassi it's like a, a mango smoothie kind of thing but it's very cooling and very healthy but when you combine the two you know you have that spice and and the cooling it you know, and I, I see the both of you, and I just think that you guys are such a, a, you know, the left and the right brain, as you were saying, but yet, you know, very complementary to each other. 
And I, you know, I think my view, my, my listeners can't see this, but I really see a lot of love between the two of you. I mean, you know, uh, and my heart just goes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> really, I, I mean, like, I've not found that person yet. That's all I can say. But, you know, um, I, I, I wish everyone could, could have that kind of relationship that the two of you have where you guys communicate and fight and talk about it. But the key, as both of you kept saying, is listening and communicating, asking the right questions, um, yeah. not just in business, but, you know, in personal, especially when it's a married couple working together. Um, that's your secret sauce. That's your superpower, you know, in, in that sense, I think, uh, for the both of you, you know, to, to, to have a business for 16 years, is not easy. Um, and how long was your shop closed for during COVID? A month. Yeah, it's about a month on, I mean, the pet food stayed open as essential, mm. but I mean, we didn't have any customers. People sheltered in their place. They, went out to go to the grocery store and no place else. So uh, they either started buying their food online or they started buying grocery store food because they didn't want to go to multiple stores. And uh, it was, it was tough. It was, it was a scary time because you didn't know anything. I mean, you, you know, they, we had stayed open grooming because we considered that essential pet care like veterinary services and they literally had to come out after about a week of everybody else being shut down the governor specifically said groomers cannot continue to groom that's not essential and that was a a hit towards her i mean you have the governor get on tv and say what you do for a living your passion is not important it's not essential was brutal to her. And uh, it didn't matter that my side of the business was essential. We weren't selling anything. So we had to make some leaps even then because we we did some store remodeling and spent some money and we were like, we're spending money and we have no idea if customers are gonna be back. And uh, again, we, we got through it and we were down for a month and as soon as they, let us groom again. Our staff was back on salary. Our team was back. Our customers were back. And grooming is back to where it was. Um, pet food sales, we still need to increase. But luckily, my fresh and real foods carried me through because it's very hard to buy your frozen pet foods online. So again, those customers were still coming in my store. Um, so real food saved me there, um, even though, you know, that's just a drop in the bucket. But on the other statement you said, her, one of her favorite sauces at a restaurant is mango habanero. It's, so it's exactly what you just talked about. See, I got the jackpot today. I don't know. You guys are you guys are beautiful. All I can say is, you know, uh, instinctively, I don't know how I could sense it, but something about the ninja groomer just came out through social media. And I have to say, I'm a skeptic. You know, I'm very cynical by nature, but there's something about you that I loved, and it's it's truly. I think it really is. It boils down to the fact that you're so authentic, you're so sincere, and it it really comes through. 
you know, and and the both of you, you know, uh, with with your store and everything, and and what you believe in, it's just your modern day superheroes to me, you know, uh, in 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 our community. You, you both of you really are, you know, and I'm just so grateful to have had the opportunity to to get to speak to you today because, you know, uh, not many people you'll find like the two of you, honestly. Yeah. Well, thank you, and thank you for the opportunity. You're actually our uh, first international interview. We, <laughs> we, we do do interviews from time to time, yeah. but you're, you're our first international, and... Uh, My first interview after competing on a Yeah, interview. so she, you're the first interview after she competed on for the Telebun show, which will be on... NBC. I don't know if you guys have that overseas, but uh, mm. uh, it's September seventh here in the states. Is the premiere of the season that she was involved with? Cool. We don't we don't have NBC independently here because it's overseas. But what our local companies do is that they'll buy you know um, they'll order the shows. So we have Ninja Warrior. Oh, good. So. So I'll have, which, which season will you be? Is it season 12? It's the upcoming season. I have no idea how much airtime I'll get or if any or when or any of that. But um, I, I was involved in this season, season 12, 2020. Okay. So, you know, technically um, this, this interview won't be till September-ish. So I think it's quite safe for me to ask you some questions now about it. Or is it? I'm not allowed to talk about it. No. <laughs> yeah, they, they lock it down. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm just, just just checking, just checking. But um, gee whiz, when you when you posted that on on Facebook recently, I, I got really excited. I go, oh my gosh, she really did do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel too. <laughs> but you know, like I said, the 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 mental, you know, this is why I respect you so much because. Um, I know it's difficult to talk about depression because I, I suffer from depression. I do suffer from depression still, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, dealing with, with pain, especially from the past, is, is mm -hmm. not easy. And, and trying to, to let go and, and move forward, uh, it's really, really difficult, you know. Um, it, I struggled a lot with my depression for years. You know, and I was a very unhealthy person because I used to be a workaholic and I was in, uh, I used to work in a, a lifestyle company where we sold art and did installation for like uh, companies. So like, for instance, show flats, if they wanted to sell a condo or something, we'll, we'll do it up nicely with, you know, arty stuff. So basically we're selling them the dream and, you know, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. And I... I love what I did because I'm, you know, I'm into the arts, but I disrespected my body a lot. So, because I used to smoke and drink and, um, you know, had a dysfunctional family as well. So, I never dealt with it. You know, being, you know, being normal human being, very stupid, right? We just push things down, you know, pushing mm -hmm. down and forget and just like, okay, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to forget about that. But it mm -hmm. catches up with you after a while. That's what I realized. And then my health, took a beating because um, I got endometriosis. It's like a gynecological problem, you know, and I couldn't, I wasn't creative anymore and I had writer's block. I couldn't 
do anything and um yeah it, it was a very very dark time for me you know mm-hmm. um and for many years i think i felt very stuck you know i mm-hmm. tried to move on and you do a little bit of things but and then you get high and then you get very low and then very high and very low and i'm a very and i'm a very stubborn person i don't like doctors <laughs> <laughs> So, especially Western doctors, you know, I, I didn't want to do um, things like that. So I actually even tried seeing a therapist, but I think because my mind, I wasn't ready for that. So even when I went for a session, uh, I didn't like to share. I didn't want to mm-hmm. share and I didn't believe in whatever that therapist was trying to tell me to do. And I realized, and I don't know. And then one day, um, a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you go see this Chinese doctor? I'm like, okay. I, I mean, like at that time, I was, I, I'm very westernized in my education and stuff and my outlook. But I went, okay, you know, I don't mind. You know, doesn't sound as, as, as off-putting as a western doctor. So I went to see a Chinese doctor and, you know, um, she took my pulse, checked my eyes and, you know, my tongue and all that. And then she sort of said, okay, you've got, you've got some gynecological problems and stuff. I can help you, but do you, do you want my help? And that was the first time actually someone said that to me. And it, I don't know why. It's the way she said it that hit me. Because I was never sure that I wanted help. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really want to face the fact that I had a problem. Right. You know. You know, and and this lady, she's a Chinese lady who doesn't speak English. And my, and my Mandarin is very poor. Okay. I can't really speak my own mother tongue very well. But she spoke to me in in a way, in a very, very Zen-like way, you know, like Karate Kid kind of, you know, and, and <laughs> when she said it, it, it hit me, you know, like, I can help you, but only if you want me to help you, and you must do the, you must do the work. Yeah. I have, have to, to cooperate. Work. Yeah. And I went, oh my gosh, <laughs> you that know. moment of clarity. Yeah, that moment of clarity, I went, okay, all right, I'll, I'll, Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take your herbs and I'll start. And I didn't realize that the, the herbal medication that she gave me put me through a huge detox process. She didn't warn me about that. <laughs> I think maybe she did. Maybe she did in Chinese, but I didn't really get it. So I kept going to the toilet. And, you know, with Chinese medication, it's such that when you go through a detox, there's only two ways. That, well, mainly two ways. Either, well, or three. You sweat it out you throw up or you shit it out literally you know so i did a lot of shitting you know um and i it it scared me because i didn't realize how much it took out of my my body but because of that massive detox that i went through suddenly something clicked in my head you know like this dark fog sort of cleared and because I started to eat a little bit healthy because she told me I have to eat certain things. I have to avoid certain things, food mm-hmm. therapy, TCM way, you know. Uh, so I, I did try to listen to her. And that's when suddenly I, I started to feel a little bit better. And then I started to go, okay, I'm going to start practicing chi- Tai Chi. I'm going to learn Tai Chi because I used to do Chinese martial arts when I was younger. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You know, but then I stopped. You know, because I disrespected my body and, I, you know, I wasn't in the right frame of mind. But in my healing process, I started to do Tai Chi 
and started to look into a more holistic approach to my life. And then I got better. And then I started to do animal rescue work. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've always liked animals, but I got a bit scared because I, I get very attached to things. <laughs> Foster failure here. <laughs> you know, um, so that's how I got into the holistic thing with animals as well. Because I, I sort of, you know, watched my seniors in the rescue community and they always fed kibble. And then when I started feeding kibble initially, you know, there's my vet bills went hot, you know, like really expensive. And there were so many issues with the cats and the dogs and bringing to the vet, it was very expensive. And, you know, um, that's when I started to Google. And, and again, because of my own personal journey in the alternative holistic approach and food therapy, you know, um, that's how I started to link you know, the links start to form that neural thing, you know, like, oh, you know, what's going on with me might be going on with them. So mm-hmm. that's when I, I moved away from kibble and started to feed, well, wet canned food, you know, um, but raw food and fresh food. So that was, that was a light bulb moment for me, you know. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with what I ate in the past and what I'm eating now, the microbiome, mm-hmm. because it helps and the exercise and the Tai Chi, you know, the meditation stuff um, that I, I try to do now every day, you know, it helps. So me rambling on for so long, you know, (laughs) going back to you, you know, I just, I have a lot of respect for, for, for you because you know, you, you say it in a very humble way, in a very gentle way, you know, about, you know, uh, the, the challenges, the depression that you had. And only doing Ninja for two years, the mm-hmm. last two years, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> and the yeah, fact yeah. that you've injured your knee, you know, both knees so many times. Wow, you know. <laughs> It, like if you have that passion in your heart, you know, passion will take you further than anything else ever will. So you just have to listen to it. But yeah, I just think you have an amazing mind, your little chili putty mind, you know, you're, you're, you're really strong, you know, with, despite everything that's been thrown at you, you know, um, you know, I think, I think that's why I really liked you. You know, and, and, and really respected you. There's something about you that, that drew me to you. I, I don't know what it was. And it's only recently, you know, um, you know, you, you shared that you were doing the ninja thing, you know, you gone I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> superstar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and seeing seeing how BC sits next to you and looks at you, you know, with with, with such tender eyes, you know, um, I, I can see the strength in, 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 in your marriage and, and what holds platinum paws together. It's, it's just, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really amazing. And, and BC, you know, with your MS and stuff, I think you're an amazing fella. You're so quiet and gentle, but I can see that, you know, your, your left brain goes... Uh, constantly, yes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> He's always thinking... <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think, 
you know, um, there's much to learn from the both of you in, in terms of how, how to bring a business, put it together in such a way and to survive COVID because with the lockdown for one month, I mean, like even in Singapore, we've had so many companies, small businesses close down, you know, um, and life will not be the same again. I think that's what a lot of people here in Singapore, at least are realizing. We, we will not go back to pre-COVID times. Moving oh, yeah. forward, it's, it's not going to be the same over here. Um, you know, the, the new normal, as they call it. Uh, and people are talking that a recession is coming. You know, it hasn't started yet, but the tsunami, the recession, the financial tsunami is going to hit uh, sometime, you know, and people actually have to prepare for it. And, you know, uh, have you guys thought, you know, with your experience of COVID, what, what contingency plans you have? Or how you yeah, we, we, we've talked about a second shutdown, what we would do, how we would react. I mean, with every day we get smarter. I don't know that we're heading towards that second shutdown yet. It, here in the U.S., that will be devastating. Um, one of our business journals here is tracking businesses that have closed since COVID, which, you know, a lot of times that's just a business that was failing anyway. And COVID was just the, the straw that broke the back, but uh, a lot of the businesses were healthy and strong and you just can't do business if the customers aren't allowed to come to your store. So, um, you know, where we get better with curbside pickup, we get better with delivery, we get better with interacting the different ways that Kathy keeps her fan base coming to her to, okay, I can't come to you for a nail trim. How do I do this myself? because my dog's nails are starting to curl, I need an L trim. So she talks it through it on the video and we're able to keep that connection because if her clients went 30 days without ever hearing from her, then they may not have had her on the top of the mind when we were allowed to reopen. But because of her constant contact with them through social media, um, you know, she's always on top of their mind. So, you know, that's what we got to keep doing is we got to keep the connection to the customer. I don't sell pet food. You know, I sell stories. I sell the story about how I met the cow that the keeper came from. Um, you know, we're selling ourselves to these customers. I don't want them to be brand loyal. I want them to be loyal to us. I'll tell them what the best pet food is because it may change. The pet food that I started this store on, I wouldn't feed today if it was the last pet food on the plate. I, I wouldn't. So, you know, companies evolve, change. That passion is what goes away each time a business is sold. So, like, if we would sell the Platinum Paws someday, the new owner's not going to have the same passion that we have. We built this place, blood, sweat, and tears. I can look at that cabinet behind me, and I can remember hanging that cabinet on that wall. And it was late at night, and I was probably almost in tears because we were trying to open, and I still had to do a lot of work. And I was here. I slept here one night. Uh, 
So, you know, that passion gets lost every time that business is sold. And that's the same with pet food. Pet food gets started with a great philosophy. It gets going, then it gets sold, and it turns into a commodity, a number. We need to turn this into more dollars. So they lose that passion. Um, you know, the stuff Kathy does, there's dogs that I tell her, you should stop grooming that dog. We lose money every time you groom that dog because it takes you so long to groom that dog. Let's send it to another salon and she won't do that. She, I'll lose money because I love that animal and I like that owner. And you know what? It's what I need to do right now. So that's also her therapy. So uh, I don't even know where this started. I've been on so many tangents on this. But yes, the question was, are we prepared for another shutdown? I don't think we'll ever be prepared, but it won't be the blow that the first one was. The first one took us off of our feet, um, but we got up quick and we made the best of it. So the next one won't take us off our feet, but it, it will it will be scary if it happens, but we'll roll with it. We, you know, that's the other thing. At the end of the day, no matter what, it's her and I. So, you know, if Platinum Paws blows up one day, it's still her and I, and we'll do it again. We'll start over wherever we have to. Um, one question that I, I've been meaning to ask is that because you, you sell, you, you know, um, pet food and you, you started with kibble or the best, best uh, commercial pet food, shall we say. And then now you've, you, you service the, the raw feeding uh, community. In terms of, for a lot of pet owners or pet shops out there who are thinking about that, you know, um, what would you say? Because they'll, they'll be thinking like, oh, commercial pet food is more profitable, you know, in, in terms of sales versus the raw, raw food um, brands. Or, you know, I, I don't know how to ask that question, but I think, I think you, you know what I'm trying to ask you. Yeah, I, I think I know where you're heading. I mean, yes. So kibble, you know, everybody buys kibble. I mean, the the raw feeders in this world are under 10%, single digits. I mean, when I got into this, it was like 3% of people considered feeding raw. Well, now we're closer to 9% thanks to people like Karen Becker and Rodney and Um, But, you know, kibble still outsells. So my goal here is an element of fresh with every bowl. So if you're coming in to buy a bag of kibble, which your store needs, you still want to then have that conversation. Why is it better to add an element of fresh to each bowl and then to provide that? So yes, some of the lowest margin, the, the lowest margin pet foods that we have are in our freezers because there's not a lot of margin. It's even worse than kibble. But some of the highest margin things come out of the freezer too, because like I source my own raw, barrel, uh, raw marrow bones. So I work with a cattle farmer in my county. He's five minutes from us. Um, and I work with my but butcher in the county. 
So I get my own raw marrow bones to sell in my store. And those I have the highest margin on because there's no middlemen. I'm buying from the butcher and they're going in my freezer. Um, I grind pig hearts, beef hearts. I grind sardines. So I grind sardines, entire sardines. I grind them into a fine grind and I sell that as a topper. And again, that's a high margin item and it's the most benefit. So I sell that cup and I just tell people to put, you know, a spoonful on top of their dog's skibble. Their, their dog's getting that, the nutritious advantage of having some sardine on that kibble, plus it's not processed, plus it's raw, and it's also getting customers into my freezers. So then they start seeing some success by just adding a little bit of sardines on top of their kibble. Well, then they want to know about goat's milk, or then they want to know about fish stock, or then they want to know about how do I get rid of kibble. So it all starts with some of the highest margins and it's also the things you can't find BC sardines at any other store, but platinum buzz. So it also gives you that exclusivity. Do stores sell sardines? Absolutely. But they aren't ground. They aren't in uh, flash frozen in the ship that they were caught on. So they aren't in an olive oil or in any type of coating. And they also sardines that you get out of a can, don't have the heads and the innards, which are some of the best things. You want that dog to eat that sardine brain. So those are the things that can make you the most money too. Wow. wow. You, you really inspire me, really, you know, the, the, the big friendly giant who's, you know, usually so quiet, but his left hand is click, 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 you know, and, and the ideas that you come out, you know, it's, it's so inspiring because I think, a lot of a lot of uh, pet stores who are thinking about doing what you're doing and making the switch, you know, even if say they were, you know, uh, now the fresh food meat movement in Singapore is 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 starting. You know, it's been going on for a few years, but um, I think people are still a bit uh, leery of completely, you know, not selling the commercial kibble completely you know and 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 the focus being on the fresh food stuff because you guys are actually advocating a lifestyle and a philosophy you know uh of not just what you eat but you know your your grooming and everything is very complimentary it's very it's it's very smart it's very clever you know uh and it's very powerful because because of the two of you you know, that's what makes Platinum Paws so special. And I love the fact that you talk about, you know, working with your local uh, farmers and, and sourcing things, you know, locally, where you are actually supporting the local economy, you know, and that's, that's power, that's grassroots movement, which is, you know, um, I think more people should do that. So that, you know, number one, we reduce our carbon footprint, but we support our local economies, you know, and, and, we, and, and more people are aware of, of the benefits of, of what you're doing in terms of the fresh food movement. So, you know, wow, I, I really enjoyed speaking to both of you. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for this time because I know I've taken up, you know, more, more time than, 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 than I asked for. And I just want to say thank you so much. You know, of course. Yeah, we're happy to do it. 
we we enjoyed it. It, it. This is one of the best interviews we've done. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're being very sweet now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. It, it really is. It's covered a broad yeah. spectrum of everything. Because a lot of times, you know, we're focused on one thing. I mean, you kind of hit our core, everything. which we love talking about our core. It's what we do. So, well, no, thank you. It's been wonderful. And you also... It's it's one o'clock here, you know. You're it's a one a.m. and Monday morning where you are. You had to get up in the middle of the night to do this. Well, I had the last the last four days. I was at a full full four days uh, workshop in Singapore. So that was from nine thirty a.m. to about seven p.m. And I only got like five minute pee breaks here and there, and like half an hour lunch break. Plus, I had to squeeze everything with my cats and dog, you know. Right. Um, but you know, doing this podcast, um, talking to, as I like to call it, holistic pet service entrepreneurs like yourself is something that I'm, I'm very passionate about because um, we all talk about the fresh food movement. We all talk about holistic services, but a lot of people, they, they look at you guys, you know, on social media and they go, wow, like me, you know, I'm a big fan here. You're like, wow. But how, how to start? That is a lot of questions that, you know, people, especially when they're thinking of trying to do, uh, you know, to make an impact themselves in their own, you know, location, be it in Singapore, Malaysia, Australia, uh, the US, you know, in, you know, Idaho or wherever, you know, and, and talking to you is very inspiring because you guys, in my mind, epitomize and symbolize everything that I love about, you know, about this community that we're in, you know, the alternative, the functional medicine approach, the fresh feeding approach, the philosophy, not just in for the animals, but even for yourselves as human beings, you know, as entrepreneurs and the fact that, you know, you're human, you guys have problems, you guys have challenges that you're facing in the past, currently still, you know, and, and yet, you know, it's so, you know, my heart is it, just swelling up with so much love for the both of you, honestly, because, you know, to have heroes like you, you know, real true blue heroes that are doing what you're doing every day, in spite of everything around you and all your challenges and being so passionate about it, I just want to let you know, all our listeners out there and those who are even thinking about starting their own business in, in, this, in this niche, you know, in, in, this, in this field, you know, like if they can do it, if BC and Cat can do it, by golly, you guys can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. you know yes. and, and I mean, like both of you have your own health issues and, and your own challenges physically, you know, and yet you guys bulldoze your way through it. You know, mm-hmm. so for those people who are complaining about their day job and saying there's no meaning in life and you're really into, you know, your dog and, 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 and feeding fresh or, you know, grooming, honestly, it's a noble profession, especially if you do it the ninja way, everybody. <laughs> I highly recommend that because what cat does is above and beyond what a normal groomer does 
the stereotypical groomer does. She does it six stars and beyond. I mean, like, we're talking about, like, Ritz-Carlton style here, okay? <laughs> I mean, seriously, well, I everybody. The kind words. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I seriously mean it because what you do, you know, even when it costs you money, as your left brain husband tells you, <laughs> you know, and you, 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 you're so passionate about it and because you love them, you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what loyalty is. And it's true, loyalty to you, not to the brand. And I think even if you were to, for whatever reason, you know, close down Platinum Pause, but you started out a, a, another, you know, grooming business, your, your customers will follow you. They won't, they won't stay with the new owners. They will, they will follow you because you are, the, you are the brand, actually. You're the heart and soul of it, you know. And I, and I, I love it. I love it so much that it's a married couple doing it. <laughs> Really, you know, and childhood sweethearts. How sweet is that? <laughs> yeah. So thank you for, for really, you know, taking the time and, and speaking to me because I, I, I really appreciate it. And I don't know how to say it, but lots of love and respect. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. And right back at you with the love and respect. Thank you for listening to Platinum Paws Story. Look out for Dr. Josie Bjorg's interview next week. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.